All right, so welcome everybody to the first episode of Cotton the Web podcast, and we are joined by a very special guest, Ronan Michael. How are you, Ronan? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Thank you. Cheers for having me on. No problem. Absolute pleasure, you know. Absolute. Just, it's crazy to have this first podcast on the road. And I think for the people that don't know you, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, so I already said I'm Ronan Michael, and I'm a professional rugby league player at the Huddersfield Giants, and... Uh, yeah, I suppose you, you might call me interesting after this, you might not, but I suppose that's for all the use to find out, I exactly, guess. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Just grateful to be on this and have, have the chats. Exactly, same with you, it's a pleasure for saying yes. So I guess, Ronan, I think we'll start off with, um, how did you get into rugby? Was it like, always you were something interested in, or was it something you fell into? Yeah, um, didn't really used to like sports too much as a kid, believe it or not, but... Um, when I was in third class, when I was in Ireland, uh, one of my old teachers used to take us out to the field and just kick the rugby ball around and used to be keen for it, you know, something that bounces in all sorts of directions. I loved it. And then, uh, yeah, he used to just take us out there and kick the ball around. And um, he just said to my mom after a while, look, Ronan's pretty keen, keen on this, like he's liking what he's doing. So my mom then decided to take me to Balbriggan and I just started playing rugby then. So I was about uh, eight years old, I'd say, when I took... My mum wouldn't have known much about rugby or anything. She just took me because I liked it. And I was there playing with the grass and wasn't really yeah. that bothered at first. But then I, I came yeah. to sort of fall in love with it then as I got a bit older. Yeah. And I think, like, rugby is just such a crazy sport. Like, personally, I do in school, you know. And it's just mental, you know, people clashing each other. And, you know, from, like, a young age, did you – was it was it the, you know, bumping into people part you loved or did you just – was there something else you liked about it? Yeah, I definitely think it was the contact from yeah. me. That's what I, all I used to love doing. I used to just love tackling people. I wasn't good at scoring tries or running or anything. I just liked tackling, and that, that's all I used to really do. I wasn't bothered whether we had the ball or yeah. whatever. That that really didn't really bother me as a kid. But then uh, as I got older, I suppose I kind of started like learning more about the yeah. game and getting more into it. Because I wouldn't say I come from a big rugby family or anything, but yeah. as I've learned and like grown with the game, my whole family have kind of got into it as well. I guess, um, and I, I think well, like especially when I'm playing, because like we, 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 I only play for a school, so I don't play for a club. But when you're playing in the school level, there's you know a couple of lads that actually play rugby, and you see them and how they tackle and the technique and how aggressive it is with the actual rugby players. And then there's just some people there that are just me sitting there in the sideline, you know, just well, obviously like you know playing, but like it's just like it's crazy, and you're just like these people are running at you, and like coming from like a football background, it's just like so like you think football has a bit of contact and you know a bit of shoving and a bit of shoving and you go on and you're playing with these guys and are massive six foot fellas and they're sprinting at you and you're just like and they take it clean out and you're just like oh my god how am I even meant to do this like it's more and more tough as you go up and as as things improve but yeah no it's a it's pretty good I must say and that's the thing isn't it it's a it's not for everyone but you would notice the difference yeah if you don't play uh don't play at a club level or whatever you notice the difference yeah. between the lads who have uh, been about the game a bit but no that it's a it's a great sport I must say and it kind of has that that you know that everyone's going to have a dig for each other and although people are going to steam at you you know at the end you shake hands and have a laugh and a beer exactly yeah and I, like I think like I've noticed that like the smaller lads are like so much better at tackling than the big lads I feel like well that's from my experience I could be completely wrong I guess like you know the lads at the front are obviously in, in the rooks and whatever but like, I've noticed that small lads you know, they're they're good at like getting in and jumping and all this stuff and there's no like on our team they're they're good at grabbing onto the people and I think then the bigger lads come in and you know yeah that's it. well listen 
as I say, it's not about the size of the dog, it's about the size of the fight in the dog, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and you know, like if you if, if you hit a tree low enough, it might fall down. And that's all those sayings. But yeah, no, absolutely. Like it doesn't really matter. And that's the thing about rugby too. Like there's a position for you no matter what size, like I suppose. So there's the big massive lads who are six foot seven or whatever. And then there's the shorter lads as well. So that's the greatest thing about the sport. Like you don't have to be, there's no, there's no set target. You have to be this height to be, it's not like the NBA or anything, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, well, you have to dunk, yeah. Yeah, all, all shapes and sizes are welcome, you know. So what position do you play, Ronan? Yeah, I'm, I play in props. So I play in the front row at the minute, yeah. Uh, front row, I'm the second row myself. I don't know how I've managed. I think it's just, I have a bit of height on me. <laughs> that's, a, that's the usual thing for yeah. second rows, isn't it? They get chucked in, uh, they get chucked in if they're a bit tall. Yeah, I think we were just trying to fill the team, to be honest with you. If there's a bit more competition, but... Uh, um, we'll talk more about you. So, you started playing. You said when you were young, and you, your man brought you down to the Balbriggan Club. So, like, where did that then start to unravel from and develop? Like, yeah. So, uh, most of my youth, to be honest, and then I eventually started like falling in love with the game. And as I said, and I wanted to improve and I wanted to get better. So, listen, I'm gonna. I wanted to leave. But you can't just leave clubs at underage and just go to the best club. It's not like soccer or anything. Really? You, know, you can't just go to your home farm mm-hmm. or Shelburne. You have to, um, there has to be like terms that, and it's either you move school, you move house, or you take a year out. And we weren't going to be moving school or moving house. So that led us to option three, take a year out of uh, of the game. So in order for me to move to Clontarf, I took a year out. I knew it was something I, that would be like pretty ca- catastrophic to me at that age because I really yeah. wanted to get better. Yeah. We, to, to me taking the year out was water in the potential of making it as a pro and improving myself so mm-hmm. I took the year out and uh, I was just playing Gaelic football hurling whatever cricket whatever it was and then I stumbled across rugby league didn't really know much about rugby league and um, next thing you know I just fell in love with rugby league and the following year my transfer to Clintarf went through but uh, I don't, I played a couple of games of league and I kind of fell in love with that so I spent that season in 2018 playing with Clontarf Rugby Union, but before you knew it, I ended up over here in Huddersfield playing rugby league. So it was a bit of a whirlwind all between uh, between putting in my transfer to leave Balbriggan to ending up over here. And that all happened in such a short period of time. I couldn't have dreamt it up. Like. So you say you um, were part of Balbriggan and then there's like, it's like a clause or something, is it? Or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So it's just rules uh, that are put in by Leinster Branch. It's... Um, just one, it's just one of their rules, I suppose, is to keep uh, young players at the club that they grew up to and, and progress them on to playing with the men's team or the senior squad or whatever. Although, like, it's 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 one of those things that there's pros and cons to everything, you know. But once you turn 18, you can move wherever you want anyways in yeah. rugby because you're an adult. But it's about keeping the young kids in their club, I suppose. But in a way, it, it can stop your development. And in my eyes, for me, it was stopping my development, so... You have to weigh it up. It does a year out stop your development? Of course it does. There's no doubt about that as well. Because if you take a year out of anything, like if, if, if you decide not to walk for a year, yeah, you're not going to be great at walking when you come back. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's not the scale of how severe these things might be. But yeah, of course, taking a year out wasn't ideal. But I coped. I, I suppose I found myself a little bit, learned a lot about myself when you take away everything you want to do. You want to play rugby and then next thing you know, you're playing Gaelic football or whatever it may be. But those things are good for you too, in a way. And I suppose after the year out, um, a lot of good things came my way. And I'm really grateful for, I suppose, the perspective it gave me. And 
to kind of I how would I put it like it's it gave me a chance to reflect on things and made me a better player all in all really and it, I suppose if it wasn't for the year out I wouldn't have ever started playing rugby league and I wouldn't have ever got a professional contract so it's one of those ones that you whatever's meant to be will be in a way if you put the effort in I guess like everything happens for a reason and I think like you know being out of something especially when you love something so much and you're so passionate about it and then a shot and then I think you know when you when you're given so much of something, you know you kind of get sick of it, but not in that way. But I feel like you know being take taken being something being taken away from you that you really like, and then it shows you how much you actually love. I think maybe you can agree or disagree, but I feel like when it's removed from you, it's like you actually want it so much more. It's like what you can't have, you want more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and like I suppose taking a year out of it, um, it would have been a bit of like as you said, what you want you can't have, and it kind of taught me that yeah, I do want it. Because if I wasn't that bothered about taking a year out and during the year out, I wasn't missing it. Sure, I may as well have just been that off, you know. If I wasn't missing rugby during the year out, why was I even trying to play? Do you know what I mean? Why was I trying to make it if I yeah. wasn't missing it? But yeah, obviously I did miss it during that year out and it kind of it kind of motivated me more to go back in and just try kill it when I got the chance because I wasn't training, I wasn't playing for a whole year and that was just the way it was. And it's unfortunate circumstances, but I'm grateful because it brought me now and that's probably, geez, it couldn't have been it was the worst thing in my life to happen to me at the time and I look back on it it was the biggest blessing I didn't even know it was a blessing in disguise really yeah as they say and then so so then you went to Clontarf and then from there I'm presuming you got scouted or did you get trials to Huddersfield is it um so basically what happened is uh, in 2017 summer um when when I uh, when I was playing league because I was out of union because of the year out um, a bloke a bloke came and seen the game and basically mentioned me to Huddersfield so then the, the year out passed this was all over the summer of 2017 year out passed come about September October time of the back end of 2017 and Clontarf games started playing so I played with Clontarf for that season uh, back end of 2017-2018 and then the league thing kicked off again and uh, in February I got the my leaving after the mocks and then all of a sudden coming up to my leaving sorry, I got told they want me to come back over on a trial so um, I actually like it didn't really have anything to do with Clintar for me coming over here it was more because I was playing league that it got me over here in, in the first place but um, I got to play the season out with Clintar anyways and that that was mega like it was class to see the results of after getting the year out to finally get to put on the Clintar jersey and play with the 18s team there but um, in the end I suppose it, it meant no odds because I ended up over in Huddersfield before I really got to get my foot in the door with back playing Union again because it all went so quickly. And next thing you know, I was uh, over here in Huddersfield on trial in tw- the summer of 2018. Like, so you have agents. So pretty much, actually, before I move on any further, I forgot to mention at the beginning, but you're the first Irish player to be in the English Super League in like t- over 10 years, aren't you? Some like crazy time yeah, like that. Yeah, so I'm the first homegrown player to play since uh, Brian Kearney. So uh, there's plenty of Irish players playing in the Super League, but um, I suppose not any of them since Brian Kearney has come through the development system, yeah. through the Irish development domestic system. So that's uh, our amateur teams and our underage setup to come through and play Super League. So, uh, it's, yeah, so I'm, I'm the only bloke who's like... I suppose from Ireland, living in Ireland, and that, and uh, homegrown through the through the domestic system. 
to come and play Super League. So the last person to do that was Brian Kearney. And I think it, as far as I know, it might have been 2009, his last game. So yeah, that was that was pretty mega. That was a huge, huge experience for me. I guess that's kind of a bit of big boots to fill, isn't it? Did you oh, feel that bit the pressure on it? Absolutely, yeah. There's definitely big boots to fill, but um, I just take things day by day. I don't look at like, I don't feel pressure from other people or other people's expectations. I just want to be the best version of me, you know, yeah. and just kind of focus on myself and focus on being the best rugby player and not be focused on being viewed as any any person's like follow-up or anything to do with, do with that. I just want to be the best rugby player and just be recognised as Ronan Michael. How good can this bloke be rather than how good can the first Irish player in the last decade be it's, I want exactly to be, yeah be your own man my own person and kind of just stay in my lane and focus keep the head down and see what see where it takes me do you know I know if someone said to me when I had to take that year out that I'd be making my Super League debut in 2020 I would have been like nah like no butter no butter it's mad it goes things go so quick and I'm just grateful for the opportunities that I've gotten I suppose I'm, I'm thinking like now how can I better myself and how can I build on what happened last year and the history that was made last year and of course, it was, a, well, it was a phenomenal experience, but once once you take one box onto the next, you know, and if you spend too much time dwelling on one box, you're just living in the past, aren't you? Yeah, I guess. And so I was doing a bit of research on you, you know, as, as they do, you know, getting a few Google finds. And so you made, did you make your debut first or you traded off to Canberra Raiders on loan? Um, so I made my debut after I came back from Canberra. I got uh, I got lo- loaned out to Canberra at the start of 2020. Yeah. So that was a yeah that was a pretty good experience too. And then um, I was meant to, so I was meant to come back in uh, at the end of the season in October of 2020. But then coronavirus hit the world and sent everything out. Come back to Ireland, back to Balbriggan for around the back end of March. So. Then I was just uh, working away, just doing a bit of work on the side and um, playing with the Longhorns, my amateur team. And then uh, we ended up winning the All-Ireland Final with the Longhorns, just playing away with them. And then I came back to Huddersfield at the back end of the summer, about uh, late August, start of September. And within, what, six or eight weeks, I got to make my debut. So it was a bit of a whirlwind of the year, 2020. So, yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable, though. And, Again, it's something. If someone said to me when I signed my first first team deal at the back end of 2019 that in 2020 you're going to get to spend some time at a under 20s club with an NRL team in, that was Canberra Raiders and get to make your Super League debut all in the one year, I said you're, I'd be saying you're having a laugh. You can't have the, there's so many so many lucky things come your way in one year, and that's during a pandemic as well. So like, I'm just grateful for that too. That so many things came my way in 2020, and I got to have such a good year when I suppose so many people were having the worst time of their lives and I got just so many lucky things thrown my way and for me that was honestly one of the greatest things uh, that I take away from that year although there wasn't a lot going on and times were pretty bad for a lot of people I got uh, to make my debut which is honestly probably my biggest goal since the second I signed the first team deal. I guess that's it I'd say you're absolutely delighted you know being taken from the the wonderful heat of Australia and then you know thrown back into Seaside by Brigham, I'd say it was a change of dynamic and scenery. Oh, I'll tell you something, James. I didn't have a clue when I when I got off the plane. I was freezing for about two weeks. Honestly, like it's madness. It's madness. It's almost unreal that there's countries in this world that are kicking about in 
high 40s and 42 degrees on a day or whatever. Like, it was a heat wave over there when I got there, and I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, a bit of a shock to get back to Seaside by Albrigham. But, you know, I, you have to love it all the same. Yeah, I guess. Um, so then you came back and you did your debut. And I feel like for people the debut is like one of the most memorable journeys, you know, you can score your hat-trick and you can win your trophies and all that. But I think, you know, making your first, you know, huge debut, I think that's like, I see, you know, obviously I can't talk about it that much because, you know, I haven't done it myself, but I feel like for you, like, what was your debut like, you know, you know, is it like that, you know, cliche running, you know, steps, you know, you're running on, it's just like, surreal. Honestly, I I wish it was like cliche. It was more like a blur to be like, I just remember just saying like, Get, get, get your jacket off and you're going on, take your bib off. And it was just like, I went on and it was just all instinct, honestly. It was just like, I had to rewatch the game three times to try figure out what I'd done. It just was all just so much nervous energy because I'd just been so excited. And like, they, the, the club did up a few clips from all my family back home that we all watched in the change room before. Everyone wishing me all the best of luck. And it was just a huge moment for me, like seeing my name on the back of a shirt and everything. It was just something so unreal after the year that we'd had with coronavirus and all for me to actually get to run out on Sky Sports all my family watching me back home all of the town watching me in Balbriggan like something like that is just so memorable and when I got out there I was just running on instinct you know I was just like I was just doing more like it's what what I do it's my job rugby's my job so you kind of it's kind of like natural to you do you know what I mean I wasn't thinking about it too much I was just doing what I had to do do you know that kind of way I was just like I was doing my job what I'm training every day to do so like when things when you're under the pump or when your heart's racing and you're so excited and nervous that you you try not like nothing bad really happens you know it's not like you forget where you are or you're, you're paralyzed or yeah. anything or you're like you're frozen with with excitement it's just like oh here it is right what can I do now to make to make my impact on this game and obviously I, I just want to play more now that I've got the taster for it and um, I'd say, like, as you said, you know, with coronavirus and so many good things happening to you. And I feel like, I don't want to sound too negative, but would you say, you know, one of the, the bad things about the coronavirus is you didn't get to play in front of a huge crowd or would I be wrong in saying that? Yeah, no, like, obviously, I want to play in front of a crowd and I wanted my family to be there with me. Yeah. And it, like, it's, it's a bit unfortunate at that, but, like, at the same time, if it wasn't for coronavirus, I would have been still in Australia at that stage and I wouldn't have been making my debut. So there's pros and cons to everything. I suppose you just have to be grateful for the things that you do have and not reflect on things that like that I suppose could have could have happened. I hope that in the near future fans will be let back into the stadiums and hopefully my family will be able to fly over from Ireland and hopefully I'll get to be playing another game and everyone can watch me. But it was still surreal seeing like all your mates all my mates watching on like Sky Sports and just sending me videos and my whole family wishing me the best. Like to me, like it was like they were all there with me. I could feel their energy and they were them watching me. And it was just such a good experience. Like and it's just one of those things that'll stick with you forever, regardless of what happens in your career. Like and that's one of that's something no one could take away from you when you've made your debut. I guess like that's kind of a you know crazy feeling, you know, like you're like famous, like you know, you're getting all these uh, you know, good luck wishes and you know it's like they're flooding in and then your friends are sending you clips and you've it's like you've made it you know and you're on sky news and like sky news is huge to be on you know and i, I guess would you consider yourself a local hero or a local superstar <laughs> not at all no i just i just um same bloke that's been kicking out the town for a while i just like the one thing i do like uh 
is that rugby league is known in Balbriggan now, and rugby league was never known in Balbriggan. I hadn't heard of it myself, really. I'd only seen bits of it on the telly, like nothing major. No one really knew about rugby league, and now rugby league, I consider it a, a household conversation. Do you know what I mean? People who people know about it, people are talking about it. If someone mentions it, somebody might say, "Oh yeah, I've heard of that before." Yeah. Whereas before, yeah. nobody had heard of it. And that for me is, if that's the biggest thing that I do and the biggest impact I make, that that for me is enough. The fact that there's conversations going on about it in Ireland, because if we're ever going to go out a game in Ireland, it needs to be through people talking about it and word of mouth, because that's the greatest thing ever that can spread. You know what I mean? No amount of media or advertising is going to grow a game as much as local people talking about it. And if they have a face for, for someone from their local area who's actually managed to go and do something, that's even better, but that's just a, that's just an add-on, you know. That's just the icing on the cake compared to if I can get people talking about the sport and growing the sport. That to me is a win in itself. And I guess it's kind of like a motivator, you know, seeing someone that like you can relate to, someone from your locality and everything like that. And like you said, you know, growing rugby and the word of mouth and you know, social media you can share it all you want, but I feel like when it's embedded in a family and you know people start talking about it and then it's generational rugby and an interesting fact i saw is that rugby i think only went professional in 1995 you know whereas it's been around for like a quote like 200 years or something before that and it's taken so long to actually you know make a professional yeah yeah well that, that's the thing isn't it like uh the professional game's not been been around that long and um well, uh, Rugby League was founded in Huddersfield. Well, uh, technically, anyways, I don't know the ins and outs of the story, but uh, it was the Rugby League began in Huddersfield in 1895. Anyways, I couldn't tell you the year that it went professional or whatever, any of that. But yeah, no, it's uh, the birthplace of Rugby League as such. So there's a little bit of a fact of the day. But yeah, no, it's 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 good to be a professional game. But obviously, it's still like it's you know you know you're no soccer player or an NFL or an NBA player. Like we're still average blokes. You know what I mean? And, like people come up to us on the street and say hello and that we're not we're not superstars who are pushing away media or anything like we just walk around the town and that and it's it sound as you know what I mean it's it's good in that in in that sense like that yeah it is our jobs but like you're you're not like it's you're just you're just another bloke you know just another bloke who's walking around living their normal life do you know what I mean and I think you know like nowadays um you know I think kids they see like their superstars you know the Ronaldos and their Messi's and they're like they want to be them you know them super figures and obviously you know you're into rugby but I, like you know when you walk around you, and you, you know, as you said people are coming around it's not like you're pushing around pushing away people but like do, do you kind of get that you know like the i forget what the the scientific name for it but you get like you get really happy though like I'd, would you get happy you know when people come up to you and they're like they see you and they recognize you and it's like man it's like it's cool i've actually you know become a local like I, you know as you said you're not a local superstar but i, I think you are but we'll agree to disagree I, oh well i'm glad you think that I'm glad someone thinks that anyways no i'm you know it, it's class when when someone maybe you don't necessarily know personally notices you or recognize you like obviously that's a good feeling and like it, it feels like you're doing something because at the end of the day all, all we want to do is make an impact on on someone else's life and if, if that's all I do or someone else comes up to me and recognizing me you feel like you're actually doing something and on the days when when times aren't great or when you're feeling a little bit down you remember stuff like that and that's why you do it, it you know what I mean like you're you're making someone else happy or someone else might be a bit motivated or more inspired by you and that that in itself is like to me that's just class like and if that's all I do just inspire a few people or whatever to, to go chase their dreams and that, that's pretty sick in my opinion like that's 
Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's not much more more that you can appreciate than like if someone does come up to you and like that, that's not even in like an ego egotistical or anything kind of way. It's just that oh if someone's coming up and recognizing you, it does put well on your face at the end of the day. And like and there's there, there's no ways about it. Do you know what I mean? If someone comes up to me and I'd more than encourage anyone to like you know, I'd stop and say hello to them, you know, because I just think that's pretty sick. Like if someone's gone out of their way to go say hello to you, like that's it's a bit of an honor really, like for someone to yeah. call you know, I recognise you or whatever. And that is pretty cool, I must say. And like, yeah, that is pretty sick. Yeah, I think everyone yeah. likes uh being you know recognised and adored in a fashion. Um or so it's and you know, I th- I don't want to be referring back to football too much, but I feel like you know, football is such a globally recognised um you know, sport. Um, and like, as we were just talking a little bit back, you know, rugby's only kind of become professionalized in like the last 25 years or so. And I won't ask your personal financial situation, but is there, is there, you know, you know, money in football, you know, yourself, there's the crazy Ronaldo's on, you know, 500 grand a week. Like what's the situation like in rugby with that? Yeah. Oh, I tell you, I wish I was on five hundred grand a week. I will tell you that for free. Now, um, no, we we get, we're full time, like you know, we're full time professional athletes, and we don't have to work or anything at the minute. Like, well, our rugby covers our covers our job, and it, essentially, it is our job. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a full time wage, and it's it's class. I couldn't have asked for anything better, to be honest. There's a lot of worse ways to make a living, but if you're if you're wondering whether uh, we're gonna have to work or do something after rugby, yeah, more than likely, and. That that's rugby. You know what you're getting into. Do you know what I mean? If you wanted to, if you wanted to retire and sit on all your earnings, you'd be a footballer. But you know the, you know you have to be zero point zero one percent, and you have to be seriously gifted to be a footballer. At the same time, that's why they get paid those huge amount, huge amounts of money because they're seriously talented athletes and they commit their whole lives to it. But yeah, no. After rugby, you're probably most rugby players go on to do something else, whether it's coaching or wherever they get into. They most most of them work on a bit of bit of a living they don't just retire on their rugby funds but there's nothing wrong with that either to be honest like that's just pretty good and I can't complain I know most rugby players wish it, wish they could play into their 60s because if their body would they, they'd they keep going because they love it that much and most people like they, they're, they're not in rugby or in the sport to earn millions or anything they're in it because they love the sport and getting around the boys and having a dig for each other every day and smashing people up with nothing like there's nothing better really and people love it and that's why we do it you know what i mean we do it because our love for the sport and yeah like i said um you know playing to your 60s and i feel like everyone would love to do something but and i think it's kind of good you know like switching you know a sense of senior because you know you, you get bored of like i maybe not with the rugby players but you know when you're in a job for like about 40 years then a typical nine to five, I think you get quite bored of that, you know, quite easily. But like you said, you know, you're getting paid, you're doing something you love and like who wouldn't love to do something they love, you know, and get paid at the same time. And I think, um, you know, I've already said, and I don't want to compare it to football, but I feel like, you know, in football, it's, you know, we just, I don't know, from the looks of it, you know, it's very competitive, you know, it's like branding, you know, everyone's like out there to take each other's spot, and it's just like, you know, you could have two players on the same team and absolutely despise each other. And I'd say that's the same in any walk of life, you know, whereas it's jobs or sports or whatever. But like, would you consider that doesn't like, you know, a brotherhood in rugby? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, there's a brotherhood for sure. Like, and we all got each other. And that's the thing about team sports, especially like rugby, like we're, we're all mates with each other. But that doesn't mean we don't compete every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you like, 
if if someone's ahead of you and has your shirt, you're gonna want to you're gonna want that shirt, and that's the thing as well. But you do it you do it with good heart, you know what I mean? And there's there's no egos or anything on the team. Everyone's just having a dig because they know it's gonna make someone better. And if someone's in front of me, and I don't compete to try be in front of them, then they just stay in one place, and that's the worst thing for anything. Uh, anyone who gets uh, comfortable, comfortable is probably the best word for it. That just that doesn't breed improvement. Where if I'm competing to get them, they have to li- raise their level again, and then to get in front of them, I have to raise more, and they have to keep going, and then everyone just goes up, and that's the greatest thing about rugby, isn't it? Like as a team, like I just want to see, I just want to see the boys win, whether I'm playing or not, and th- that means I have to train as well as I can to make sure that either I'm pushing into the team or the person who's ahead of me is staying sharp, you know, and that that's that's the thing, isn't it? And that's the thing with all sports, really, and that's why we are competitive, do you know what I mean? Because we're competing with each other every day as well as with other teams. And good com- good competitive environments, no matter what, what kind of program you have or magic potion or whatever, it is, nothing beats competition. And if you know the person beside you is having a dig or is faster or stronger than you and you want to be stronger or faster than them, nothing breeds them. Uh, a more successful team than competition and it's so good it's so good like amongst the lads and yeah there definitely is that brotherhood there and we all get around each other and it's so good like no, like any retired rugby player will say they just miss being around the boys they just want to be around the boys again and just like just have that experience and I'm just so grateful that fingers crossed anyway I have a lot of it ahead of me still and I think rugby is kind of you know so pure you see a big bunch of bigs you know just huge men playing with each other and I think it's kind of like a double sword, uh, double edged sword for the opposition. I'd say more than the team. You know, you're trying to work hard, that you're pushing the people to work harder subconsciously, and then it just keeps going up and up and up and up. And I feel like you know, each time it, you know, it's like each time you return to an, uh, not an enemy, geez, make it sound like war. Um, you know, like a team, you kind of want to just keep doing better and better, and you just keep pushing yourselves. And I, can, I think that's like you know, the best thing you can do is instead of you know, just obviously you have your own, um. You know, ambition and your own reasoning to do well, but I think at the same time, as I, uh, it's subconsciously pushing other people. You know, you're like you're on the tail of someone's you know number as your jersey or their jersey, as you're saying, and it's like they don't want to lose their spot. They don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. They don't want to be watching people. You know, unless you're you know the Pogba or whatever, and you enjoy sitting there and playing on your Nintendo Switch. You know, and I think I don't think anyone would really you know want to be on a team just to sit there. That, but you know, there's always people like that. But I think. Yeah, so I think the next question I'm going to ask you is, what's the typical day in a life for you? Don't want to make a, YouTube, a cliche YouTube video out of it, but... Yeah, no, um, mo- most days we train, so we're full-time, so we train about five days a week usually, so um, we probably get up get up in the morning, the usual norm- normal enough morning, really, just up, shower, breakfast, coffee, and then get myself to training. So when I get to training, we'll have a bit of a... We'll probably get weighed in at first, just get, get get around the boys, greet everyone, then start a bit of movement prep. So just firing all the muscles up, start getting a bit mobile, you know, getting everything ready for training. Then we'll uh, have a team meeting, so we'll go through what we're gonna what we're gonna do for training that day. So we'll it'll be whether it's what we're working on or show through a few video clips about what we're doing. So then after that we'll do a bit more movement prep, get us ready to actually go onto the field. So this will be a bit more intense than the morning movement prep, which will just be a bit more light getting us, getting the body ready. Then we'll head over to the field and do about uh, an hour or so on the field doing like conditioning, running and rugby skills and stuff like that. 
Then afterwards, we'll have a little bit of break, get a bit of feed, get probably a high-protein feed in. So something, something to just replenish the energy sources, maybe an omelette and some fruit or something like that. And then uh, we'll head into the gym and do gym and wrestle. In pre-season, we'll be doing gym and wrestle. So the backs might do gym and the forwards will be doing wrestling. And then we'll flip over the backs of wrestle, the forwards will do gym. And then afterwards, after all of that, we'll probably just... Uh, get ready to go home. So whatever you might do after, you might get a grab a protein shake, watch a bit of the clips from the training day before. So our morning training session, we can watch back on the laptops by the time we're done in the gym. So probably just smash a protein shake, watch watch those uh, watch those clips, and then get ready to go home and do it all again the next day. So how many protein shakes do you think you're consuming on a day? Ah, oh, Jesus, no, nah, no, nah, not too many. I just have one usually. Me, um, probably just one. Yeah. Just one after my gym session is usually it. But when I was younger, I used to think uh, protein shakes were the be all and end all. But more about actually eating proper foods now, me. So uh, that's what. Not not too many protein shakes. If you ask my sixteen year old self how many protein shakes I had, I'd probably be in double digits or something. Any recommendations for some good flavors for the listeners oh, out there? They're all they're all disgusting. They're all yeah. minging, to be fair. So you just have to get them in. Yeah, there's nothing there. Nothing nice about protein shakes. And if anyone tells you they have no one that tastes like hot chocolate or mildew or anything, they're just lying to you. They all taste like protein shakes, which yeah. is average enough. They're not, they're not great. Avoid strawberry at all costs. But I feel like strawberry and banana get a lot of hate. And like personally, I tried trying one and it was it just tasted like absolute chalk. And I was just literally pouring the thing down the, the sink. And I was like, no, thank you. Others, I'd rather not be built. No, thank you. I'm not taking this protein shake. Actually, yeah. After a tough training day and there's only strawberry proteins out left, you do feel like crying a little bit. But nah, nah, the grand. I just, I just sink whatever's there, just whatever flavor, sound, and just getting into it. It's just fuel, really. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That thing down, and like, and like you said, you know, you are professionals and you are doing this like five days a week. And I'm gonna presume that you have like, uh, you know, nutritionists or specialists or you know, all them physios and all that stuff, which is doing them stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we have, we have a range of physios we get taught about like nutrition and what's right and what's wrong to eat and stuff like that so uh yeah because of that like we're offered soft tissue treatment massages even today i was on having a bit of dry needling kind of like acupuncture yeah i saw that yeah, I saw that. yeah yeah so um yeah so we, we have everyone that's just about because we're running so much and we're full time so we're on our feet so much it's about getting the most out of you every day and then repeating that so recovering well so getting your nutrition right, getting your sleep right, getting your mobility, your foam rolling, compression or whatever you need to do, ice and whatever you need to do to make sure that you can perform again the next day. And so we have all those staff ready to do whatever whatever they need to do to make sure that we're on the field and ready to go again. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good as well. And what's, what was that, the acupuncture like? Oh, it's a bit weird. It was my first time actually getting it done, but, yeah. Just, just a bit, bit of a strange feeling. We'll see how I wake up tomorrow if I'm sore enough. But yeah, no, uh, just releasing like all the tension in the muscles and your, your muscles to be spasming when the needles are in there. But no, it, it felt pretty good to be feeling pretty fresh now and legs are feeling light. So it should be interesting how I pull up tomorrow from it. And like you said, um, you know, the conditioning and the soft tissue massages and all that. And I, like, I think, you know, um, like I'm not special just by any means, but, you know, from the stuff I've seen as people, it's like, not how much you train but it's how you train and recovery is like the most important thing because you know when you damage yourself you're not really building anything then because your body's trying to you know rebuild everything that you've torn and i think 
you maybe you can solidify this statement, but I think you know rest is just as important as actually doing the physical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's there's no better medicine than rest, and no one will recommend like overtraining. Overtraining doesn't do anything good for you, you know. So if like if 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 there was a magic pill and it was just a matter of rugby was just a matter of who ran the most kilometers in preseason, we'd be marathon runners and we wouldn't be rugby players. But that's not the case at all. And honestly, if, if we if we did too much on one day, it would roll into our whole week. Like if we did if we did twenty five kilometers on one day, none of us would be recovered. Let's say if we did twenty five kilometers on the Monday, none of us would be fresh the Tuesday. It'd roll into the Wednesday, roll into the Thursday. And if you try to keep that intensity up, you just your body would break down. So that's why it's important that. And we have uh, strength and conditioning, and all these qualified people who are a lot smarter in that field than I am. And know exactly what they're doing. Who have done all the science and they have it all set out and ready. So we just get on the field and we just do what we're told. Pretty much, they showed us how it works and put presented us the powerpoints. But at the end of the day, they're the professionals in their field, so they know exactly how much volume we can do of training. That's going to create a stimulus that is affecting the body and making us adapt and breaking the body down enough so that we're adapting and improving, but not to the point where they're breaking us down so much that we can't recover for the next day. So it's it's complicated stuff, but we're just, we're just there. We just get to do what we're told, and we just try to understand it as best we can. But we just do our part in the recovery process. So once we're done training, we're making sure we get our nutrition right, our recovery right, getting our shaking, doing our compression, our foam rolling, or whatever we have to do to make sure we recover right for the next session. Would you say the foam rollers as, as are, are as overpowered as people make them sound? Oh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of a foam roller myself. I think they're a bit of a myth, to be honest. But um, there, I'm sure there is some science behind it, back in it. And I'm not going to act like a, I know what I'm talking about with with them. Really, I'm more of a fan of it, just a bit of mobility and uh, a bit of activation and that kind of stuff. I, I'm into a bit of yoga as well. That does me no harm. I need it. You know, I have hips like super glue, so a bit of yoga does me no harm as well. And um. So you're you're a pretty big lad, you know. You're a front row. You you have to be. So, what's the typical daily caloric intake for yourself? Do you know, like, um, oh well, I'm studying personal training at the moment on the side, and I think we uh, tallied it up. And on a training day, like I need four thousand or so for maintenance, so something around that, anyways. So yeah, it's quite quite a few calories, and that's just to maintain weight. That's not trying to put on any more weight or anything. So I think I'm around. Something around the four thousand mark for maintenance, or maybe high high three thousands to four thousands for maintenance. And if I were, if I wanted to gain anywhere, I'd probably need to be in four and a half thousand, maybe. I think I'm high three thousands for maintenance, anyways, or something around that. Um, I couldn't tell you the exact the exact figure on that. I probably need to go into my, my my fitness pal and check that. But yeah, something around that. It's a a lot of food to be fair, but um, you get used to it. You ever feel yeah. like you're uh you know just force feeding yourself the food to keep that up like you're just like oh, i just i actually don't want this i just want to have a chinese you know and just... yeah oh jesus yeah we always get those cravings you know yourself but um yeah sometimes sometimes it is just fuel and it's not i wouldn't say they're the most enjoyable meal sometimes it is just fuel but you know you're gonna recover better and feel better for it the next day and yeah, especially when I was younger, when I was a lot lighter and trying to put on weight, there was a lot of days where I was just force feeding myself. But now, now I have to watch a bit more what I eat. I don't want to be eating too much crap or anything, and I just want to make sure that I'm eating good stuff that's going to uh, 
help me recover. But yeah, there is always times when you're force feeding yourself when you haven't passed the bolognese for the fifth day in a row, and it's you know what I mean. It's it's not the most interesting food, but it is just fuel. And at the end of the day, that's the way we kind of look at it. It's just something that's going to help me recover, and it's quick and easy, and and that's the best thing for me, I suppose. Because if you don't eat it, or if you go away and mill a Chinese, yeah, short time pleasure, but what's the results? You're going to feel crap the next day and you're not going to have recovered in here as well and you're going to just feel sloppy and heavy. Yeah, and I, like, I saw this um, crazy statistic that like, I think 80% of what you eat influences how you feel or something like that. 80 or 90% of what you eat is actually what influences you. Then obviously you have your social media and everything, but it's crazy to think about it because, you know, when you eat at McDonald's or whatever and you're you're bloated and you're just like, that's all you can think about and you're not like, you know, productive or happy and then there's like, so much and then you know there's like people you know suggesting you know meat-based diets you know just eating you know like a carnivore all day and then there's people that are just like you know eat plants 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 and then i think it was the the i'm gonna quote the i don't know his name right now but it's the world's uh strongest man and he was saying he only eats plants like literally plant-based diet and he was saying have you ever eat have you ever seen an ox you know because somebody was like you're as big as an ox and he responded and he's like, have you ever seen an ox eat meat? And it's like, it's kind of like, you would presume, you know, the meats and the proteins and whatever that makes you big. But like, what, like, would you consist of like a larger plant or meat proportion? Or is it you got your people doing that for you and cooking for you? Um, No, I eat, I eat a balanced diet. I eat meat. Um, I've seen a lot about plant-based and there's plenty of athletes who've gone plant-based. There's loads of athletes who've gone plant-based or vegan or vegetarian and there's loads who've gone carnivore who just eat meat as well and there's top you can compare top end one percent athletes across the board into who's carnivore who's gone plant-based and at the end of the day you have to do what's right for you and i feel like if your diet's becoming more of a stressor then it's benefiting you so if you're stressing all the time about your diet and that because stress is going to prohibit your recovery, it's going to increase cortisol levels and stuff like that. So if you're stressing a lot about your diet, and by stressing I don't mean eat takeaway because it's less stressful than cooking. I mean like if you're constantly thinking about oh, how can I just get meat in on me and carnivore? How can I just get meat in here? Or how can I, what am I going to take to like if that's stressing you out or likewise with plant based, then it's probably not actually as good as just eating a balanced diet and for me the best thing for me has been so far just a balanced diet i have plant-based alternatives a lot of the time so like i i like i like my almond milks and my coffees and like that you can get those alpro protein like uh milk things i don't know what soya protein uh milks and i add them in my smoothies just because they taste a lot better than like a regular milk they kind of taste a bit sweet or something like that and the same with almond milk, it tastes a bit sweet. And they're like kind of my plant-based alternatives. And you feel a bit less bloated than having regular milk all the time. Because sometimes if I have too much regular milk, I feel a bit bloated or whatever. But all in all, I just think that like there's a lot of studies for a lot of different things. And you just need to find what works for you. And like I suppose if you looked at like every single 1% athlete, like top, top level professional athlete across the board, you'd probably get, there'd be a lot, if you looked at like a bell curve, there'd be, some down here or whatever that are full plant-based, some that are full carnivore, and that a lot of the majority of athletes who are just eating meat, veggies, rice, brown pasta, that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And like when when there's when there's a lot like more often than not, most of the lads on and my team, there's I think there's a couple who are plant-based. I don't think there's any who are carnivore, but the most of the majority just eat like a balanced diet. And 
I suppose when you look when you take that statistic across, and like if a majority are eating, eating if if a majority are eating a certain diet, it's probably not that bad. And if one certain diet was guaranteed to make you hundreds of percent better, then it would be a worldwide phenomenon amongst professional athletes. Let's say a plant based diet was going to make you the best athlete on the planet. And I suppose I'm not a scientist. I don't know the ins and outs, as I keep saying, but if this said diet was like this diet fad was going to make you 3000% the athlete yeah then every athlete would do it but not every not every athlete does it in the professional game not every athlete plant based not every athlete carnivore and that there's reasons why people do do go plant based or carnivore or whatever diet they may do but in, unless there was some breakthrough study that said every athlete that does this across the board is going to get this much better if if that was the case then everyone would do it do you know what i mean and there'd be no way that a single athlete on the world, your Ronaldo's, whoever it may be, whatever top-level athlete would be missing this box if it was so detrimental to their game. And that's that's the one thing I think you have to look at, like, who's been the best across the board in recent years. And unless they were all doing the exact same diet, then, okay, maybe it probably isn't a world, like a, a world beater diet. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I think... Um... If I feel like people are always, you know, promoting their diet and they're like, and I, I feel like it's the same with everything, you know, and we won't talk about politics or anything, but I feel like, you know, everyone's always promoting their idea and it, as it's the best and all. And like, I, I've, I've seen some crazy thing. It was like, you know, the carnivore based diet um, improves depression, autoimmune diseases. And it's like, obviously there's no scientific research behind that, but it's people that said they switched to these plant-based diets that obviously res- uh, result in that. And obviously I didn't do, I don't do science and I'm not a scientist and I'm going to, you know, say the same as you but like there's obviously you know scientific research that's needed to kind of uh solidate that but it's like it's crazy to think you know for some people one thing works and like you're saying everyone's different than you know if one thing works for someone and, and i think if everyone was the same it's similar to you know society if everyone was the same it'd be a bit boring and i feel like no it doesn't as you said if there was one pill or one diet that worked for everyone everyone would be doing it and i don't think that's uh you know a common characteristic of you know diets that everyone's going to experience but would you are you into like all them you know supplements and vitamins or vitamins or whatever don't want to sound American uh, sorry am I here or am I here sorry I think you broke up for a second yeah supplements and diet supplements and diet I take some supplements not a hell of a lot and some vitamins just uh, as a top up so I'll take my protein, obviously, and my creatine. They're just the two main supplements that I take. And then we have a, a vitamin D3 spray because I think uh, vitamin D, that's from the sun. Yeah. And there's not a lot of sun in winter, so that kind of helps with your fatigue and stuff like that, getting that extra vitamin D. And then just your your basic zinc. Zinc helps with your immunity and your multivitamins, your vitamin C, good for your immunity as well. Your zinc and uh, magnesium, they kind of help with your immunity. And then, like, your cod liver oils and stuff like that they're, they're all beneficial in a way but at the minute i'm just on protein creatine vitamin d3 spray and a multivitamin that does me the job and then um, obviously we're drug tested athletes so we have to go through the process of making sure that everything's informed sport approved that's the logo you see on the products that you're allowed to use so um we go through the process of making sure that uh, anything that we put into our body is informed sport approved so that that for us is important so we can't just like like most most people, like your average Joe, can walk into Tesco, pull a protein shake ready made off the off the shelf, sink it, on you go. Probably is just a protein shake. 
very unlikely that it's contaminated. But when you're a professional athlete, just a minor risk, even if it's less than a percent that it could be contaminated, that's a that's a couple of years of ban for a prohibited uh, substance that you didn't know you were taking. Like you didn't even you might it might have even benefited you at all. But because you just pulled something random off a shelf that wouldn't wasn't batch tested, you could be banned. And it's it's that's just the way it is in professional sports. You know what I mean? Because there'd be too many loopholes if we blamed on the companies who were pulling pulling random products off the shelf because it's not their responsibility really to make sure that there might might be a, a banned substance. And said banned substance, I'm not saying it's a steroid. It could be something that's completely random that's banned a type of paracetamol or anything. You don't know what's a banned substance nowadays. So you just need to make sure, as professional athletes, we go through the process of making sure that things are informed, sports checks. So at the, at the minute, it's just protein and creatine and then those multivitamins that uh, were provided. Um, a little, fun little fact about creatine. Uh, don't want to, you know, shake out your boots or anything. But as well as, it, you know, being a great cognitive enhancer, supposedly it uh, increases uh, baldness by 50%. Oh Jesus! What are you trying to say? My hairline's going, Jesus! Don't be saying uh, that. Not like that. No, <laughs> don't be saying. Don't be saying my hairline's going uh, bad it's already. Looking, it's looking good. That's the last thing I want to know. I'll be going with the uh, big, big razor all over. <laughs> don't put out uh, Breaking Bad kind of baldy head in a minute. Yeah. Um. And what's it called? You were saying, you know, like everything has to be tested and regulated, and I think that kind of obviously, you know, it's the fairest thing to ensure people aren't, you know, exploiting, uh, you know, the game, and you know, have that. Uh, unfair advantage and I won't get you to name any names specifically but have you ever you know not yourself experienced but like seen people that you know that have used f- supplements in the league like not necessarily just on your team but in general and like they've been caught because you know I'm not big into that and I know the UFC they used to ban CBD based products but now they're allowing you up to a certain percentage or a certain time before your fight you can use CBD based products and all that but it's banned closer up um no, not really, to be fair. I don't know anyone I've ever played with who's been banned. Um, I think we've, we have a lot of education in place now at the minute about uh, we tests like once or twice, or, or sorry, drugs talks once or twice a year. And they're really clear with the education process and making sure players know all the bans that could be incurred if they're not careful with what they do and what they put into their bodies. So nowadays, I think it's a lot more unco- uncommon than maybe it was in the past when I suppose drug testing first came about because there was a lot less education modules. But now we're very well educated in that field and we know like how to make sure that something's all right. Even if we're on holidays, how to check that something's all, all right to put into our bodies. So I suppose, and that's the one thing we, we, it's very clear that we're responsible for what goes into our bodies. So at the end of the day, if, if something does happen, it's on you, do you know what I mean? And it's, no one else's fault as you're the one who chose to consume it so yeah we're very educated in that field and lucky in that sense that there's a lot of education so no I don't know anyone who's ever been banned fair enough and I think uh, like another big thing you know you always see you know after the uh, quite topical now the Six Nations you know and you always see after the match you know well not always but you see you know players with like broken noses and concussions and is that like a you know a serious thing because I know like in boxing you know if you're getting hit us like so much you know a lot of, uh, well not a lot of boxers but boxers you know begin to develop Parkinson's disease and is there like you know is there like a rugby you know based uh, injury you know where 
people are like getting you know obviously from getting bangs all the time and is there like serious like injuries that can develop from that and all that type of stuff um i i, I wouldn't know like i wouldn't know personally if there's direct development or direct links between like playing rugby and the likes of parkinsons and alzheimer's and all that but um again like concussion part and parcel of the game and it's trying to we're trying to make the game as safe as possible there's a lot of people who are working hard to see how they can prevent how many concussions happen and but at the end of the day we play a contact sport we run as hard as we can into each other and it's a big massive impact it's like being in a car crash in a way do you know what i mean like it's it's a huge impact between huge forces against each other so concussion does happen and although it's not ideal there's a lot of uh I suppose processes in place about returning to play and doing head injury assessments and stuff like that. So it's a lot better. Like, and obviously I didn't play like twenty odd years ago before people knew what concussion was or anything. But um, as far as I know, things improved a lot in the last couple of years in terms of managing concussions, having head injury assessments, and making sure that concussions are spotted like while players are on the pitch because sometimes you can be concussed and not know you're concussed. So physios and doctors are well well equipped to spot that and take the players off the pitch when they need to so I suppose like yeah I don't, I don't know if there's any direct links between rugby or any of those type of diseases and if there are players who've got those diseases I don't know what the correlation is and what external factors might have been um, I suppose contributing towards that kind of stuff really I guess um, it probably isn't you know great either getting you know multiple concussions but um, like well you know, we're, we're both not specialists on this field, but I, I guess, you know, this, it's the same with any sport, you know, contact sport, and especially rugby, that's so much more contact than the same with boxing and MMA. You know, so much head, you can only take so much head injury, but, you know, you know, as you said, you're back in Balberg, and obviously with the lockdown, you know, it wasn't like you were just, you know, chilling and going to the pub or anything, but you, like, miss being able to just, you know, mill down, or, or were you ever like that, you know, just going and just milling burgers and that type of thing, you know, everyone loves, you know, nice McDonald's as uh, much as they disagree. We're not like that. Yeah, we still love a treat. Yeah, everyone loves a treat. And we still get to have, we still get the chances to have a treat, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, it's not like we're rigid and just eat chicken and broccoli every day. We're still human beings, you know what I mean? Everyone got, loves to go out for a feed and a burger and a few beers, you know what I mean? And that's one of the things, it's all about balance, you know? And when, whenever I do get a chance in the off-season or whatever, like, go, go out with my mates, have a few beers and, have a bit of a feed, whether it's a bit of like a few chicken wings and bluebird, they're my favourite to go to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think anyone anyone in Dublin will know how good them chicken wings are, they are absolutely tops, but yeah, no, honestly, like it's, although although you have to be professional in what you eat, you can't be like milling and dizzing or burger before a game or anything, like there is balance and you, you do not, you just have to know when and like if you do, if you do have let's say a cheap meal or do go out for a big feed or whatever, it's just about like kind of managing managing your calories maybe the next day or whatever or get getting a bit of, of sweat on or a few steps in or something do you know what i mean so like you're not just eating a, a load of food and then just carrying on like you would any other day and just relaxing and letting all sit there do you know what i mean so yeah the the, the but like we're, we're rugby players and at the end of the day like we we everyone loves a treat you know and we do go and have our treats too we're all humans you know we're just human beings who play rugby for a living you know but it's no different really like everyone loves a treat you can't beat them lose a lot uh you know maybe bluebird keep this uh page in your you know in the rear mirror and maybe we'll get a you know a nice little sponsor down the line but um <laughs> i think you know maybe this is stereotypical or whatever and just from you know a first glance of scene but you know um 
like rugby players are seen as you know big players and you know based upon you know his society and whatever you know big strong men or whatever are we seen as you know like mentally strong and do you think that there's like a lot of you know like maybe hidden stigma or whatever you know to do with depression and rugby and like players are just you know they're seen as so big and you know they have to be strong you know Absolutely, yeah, and I suppose it's uh, something that's getting more and more talked about because because we're seen as big, strong rugby players who like are living our dream as such. We're playing rugby for a living. That a lot of things go untalked about or unnoticed. Like we're seen as big, tough rugby players who like just nothing can phase us and that. But there's a lot of things that do go untalked or unspoke about. And there are players who suffer with bad mental health, and I'm I'm lucky that at the moment I'm think I'm in a pretty good spot with my mental health, but. There are players and there's a lot more players who are speaking out about their mental health too. Because at the end of the day, it's a short career and a lot of things can affect your ability to play that come outside of your rugby. Let's say you get a bad injury, your family life isn't good. You don't know that. But obviously it's our job, so we're expected to turn up every week. But if you lose if you lose the chance at a contract or you're out of contract or something like that, all these different things to play on your mental health. And, to, like, and there's nothing worse than that because... A lot of players might feel that they can't come and speak out because they're meant to be big, tough rugby players, and that's meant that's a stigma around rugby. But there's a lot of things that, again, there's a lot of people working so hard to improve things, and there's a lot of things in place now about rugby players being able to seek out counsel and uh, give us guidance. And I suppose one of one of the great things is that a lot more players are speaking out about it. And one of the lads on the team, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind mentioning them, but. Tom Holmes last year started speaking out about his mental health issues, and honestly, I, like it's it's so inspiring to see like a another player and a rugby player speaking out about like their their mental health issues, and everyone gets around them. And I'm sure like anyone who does decide to speak out thinks that like speaking out is so intimidating, and that people won't get around them. And then when they do it, they just see that everyone just like. Giving them support and no one's actually taking the piss in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that I suppose that's one of the biggest things in our sport is that players do come forward when they are feeling down. And yeah, no, it's, I can see why there would be a stigma, but I think it's being broken at the minute, and a lot more players are speaking out. I think, um, like you said, you know, he's are living a dream, he's are playing what you want, and I feel like people are just like. You know, he's just so big and imagine like big and strong. And it's like, you can't complain. And it's like, you, you actually just can't complain because you're living the dream and whatever. And I think that's quite, you know, um, I can't think of a better word, but it's quite rude. And, you know, um, you know, you're not like, you're being quite un, un, understanding, you know. And like you said, you know, your friend who brought it up and like people just think it's so, um, I think nowadays, like in school, especially that are kind of, you know, introducing it and it's more of a, open subject but I feel like back then you know it was, you were seen as weak and I think people just you know could grow up with that idea like if you're doing that you're just going to take it at the mic taken out of you or whatever and like you said but yeah um, I think we'll move on to the last question or sorry not last one sorry the next one <laughs> Um, so you know you were you know living away from home did you ever get homesick? Not really no like I've, I've lived in Huddersfield uh, coming up to three years this summer now and uh been about two and a half years now and th- from time to time you, you do miss your mates and your family and that but like honestly when, when I get home I kind of like kind of feel like trapped and a bit like more claustrophobic when I'm at home because like 
I'm with my family. I have someone else telling me what to do. I'm not just left on my own. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I like. I have a lot of independence and freedom here. And like, obviously, you miss home. You miss your mates. And that that comes in waves all the time. And like, it's it's always tougher during the summer. You might see all your mates. Ah, go on. They're all at longitude or whatever. Do you know they're all at electric picnic, and you're you're training that day, and you're thinking, oh Jesus, what I'd, what I do to be sat in college or and just going to electric picnic and going all these nights out. But then you remember. I'm the one playing playing rugby, you know. I'm doing exactly what I want, and like when when it's a Monday night and you're about to go to bed and you have training the next day and it's pre-season, the days are long, and all your mates are at college or whatever or at a house party, and it's a Monday and you're thinking, well, but then you realise that that lifestyle gets boring and fairly, fairly quickly, and like you have to make sacrifices. You know what I mean? That's the greatest thing, but you you love what you do. And that, that to me is more important. And like I have made sacrifices, like there's family holidays you miss and festivals and your devs. Like I didn't go to my own devs and stuff like that. And like that to some people that seems like it's their be all and end all. Do you know what I mean? But to me, it's just, it's just a sacrifice that I, I was willing to make to chase my dream. And at the end of the day, I wouldn't change it for the world. So like home homesickness does come and like you, you miss your man but you get to go home for the off season it's, and then come the end of the off season you've seen enough of everyone you're ready to get back and actually grind a bit more and that's the greatest thing I get the best of both worlds I get to go home to my family in Ireland and my town in Balbriggan and I get to see everybody and it's like oh you're still you've been gone so long it's fresh to see you come the back end of it everyone's sick of seeing me, my head seeing my face bopping about to like go on go back to other see I'm sick here and I guess, um, like you said, you know, when you're going back to your house, you're in a bit more control. And I guess, you know, maybe Huddersfield's become your new home and whatever. Um, and like you said, you know, maybe... Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Um, you're like, what's yeah, called? Yeah, you're like, you're, you said something to do with your mom, and I'm not going to take uh, too much of the mic out of you or whatever. But would you say you're a mommy's boy? Oh, absolutely, yeah, Jace. My, my mom's home cooked meals, you can't get enough of it. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm. She's done so much for me, to be fair. Like, and uh, when 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 I am away, I do think like oh, I wouldn't mind my mom cook me a little dinner or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And she's done loads of me. I owe everything to her. But yeah, no, I'll probably just have to be a mommy's boy. But yeah. Um. So. So you see, you're a mommy's boy. So I see that is so. Um. The agent talkers, there are a lot of like, <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, maybe somebody's going to see this and now absolutely take them out of you. But, um, the, <laughs> the agent talk, you know, what, what is there, there? I'm presuming there's agents. Like, what are the agents like in uh, rugby? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, they're all, they're all great. Like, there's loads of them. I have one. He's a great bloke, honestly. Um, can't, can't get enough of him. He's sound as, looks after me well. So, yeah, they, they do they do their job and help us out with like contracts and advice and stuff. Um, there's not much to it really. I think like it's it's not something uh, I I really know much about or their field of expertise or anything. But yeah, no, they're definitely helpful. And most professional players would have an agent just to help with like reading through contracts and just giving you best advice and sorting you out really. Yeah. So, uh, do you play rugby on a national level or? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've I've got five caps for Ireland Rugby League. Um, I made my debut back in 2018, and I've played uh, in the World Cup qualifiers the last two years. And 
fingers crossed now for the Rugby League World Cup this year. Uh, I'm hoping to get called up into the squad and get to play on a World Cup level. That, that's that's my next big goal, I suppose, yeah. So five caps so far and hoping for a few more to come. And I guess that's an absolute pleasure and, you know, an honour, I guess. So, so many people are just want to play for the country and when they get there, I think, you know, some people might, may see it as a bigger accomplishment than playing league rugby. Would you would you say, would you agree with that statement or is it a bit... Yeah, extreme? well, yeah, I suppose international is, is for, if you're representing your country, do you know what I mean? And especially on a world stage, like there's nothing, there's nothing that can beat that. And um, for a lot of people, yeah, getting to put on the jersey is one of the proudest moments of their career. And I'm just hoping there's a lot more of that to come. So, you know, we've, we've talked about your rugby, you know, your career now. Where do you see it ending, you know, the future for yourself? Like, what do you think, you know, is there going to be, are you going to create your own little club, you know, in Valbriggan somewhere down in the pipeline? Or do you want to do coaching for, you know, one of the teams in rugby league or like what, what's your ambition towards the end of your career? I know it's a long time away. And oh, geez, I don't know. I'm, I'm supposed to retire a happy man. That's the main thing. I'm retiring now when I gave my all and just tried my best every day and to be the best player I can be. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I suppose like I'm just more concerned about being the best version of me and being the best, blo- best player and best bloke I can be. Cause there's no point in me looking at someone else and saying, look all they done. And then basing my value on someone else. Because if, 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 if I set, do that and then I fail because I've based myself off someone else, I could have been the best version of myself, but because I was comparing my story to someone else's, then I then I failed. But if I set myself the goal to be the best player I can be every day, try and prove and try, uh, I suppose, play, play at the highest level I can, then next thing you know, like your, your goals are realistic and set to you. So that for me, I suppose, is to play at the highest level I can, play some games and just really enjoy enjoy my career and enjoy the process because that's the most important thing because hopefully when I'm 30 odd and I'm looking back at it all, I want to say, yeah, I gave that a real dig and I had, had a real good time and met some real good blokes from it. And that's probably, that's that's more more than anything, you know what I mean? Like, that's the greatest thing about rugby. You get to travel the world, meet some great people and really have a dig with dig with your mates every day and hopefully win, win some silverware at some stage in my career and, Play some play some big games and uh, on a big stage and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, more so for me at the moment. I'm just focused on being the best player I can be and improving every day. Well, I guess um, you know. Hopefully now you'll have a, an amazing career and you know maybe when we see, look down the line in 20 years time we'll see as you know the, a big Ireland coach or something like that and you know you look back on them fond memories you know winning them silverware but then you're like you know I'm gonna go win some silverware with my own team. Um, and like you said, you know, being the best part of yourself or player that you can be and not comparing yourself. And I, I guess that's like, you know, an important thing is not trying to be someone else and being your own person. Is there any part, you know, like I, I feel like obviously everyone has their thing, but is there, you know, you're saying that you're not really um, like you wouldn't like listen to a lot, like a lot of what people think and you're, you kind of want to be your best player. And is there any really self-doubt or regret? And you're just like, oh, I just wish I did something like I didn't do this or, you know, you're just like, I need to oh, be more yeah. than everyone else. Well, I suppose self-doubt, I try not to, I try not to let that into me, but obviously you always, you always question, you have to ask questions, you have to make mistakes. And in my opinion, the mistakes I have made, which I have made plenty of mistakes in, in my career so far and hopefully make a lot more because I'm going to learn from them. And exactly. that's the greatest thing. When you make a mistake, you're going to learn from your mistakes. 
So that that's one thing. And then obviously, like in terms of self doubt, like I just think that like if you if, if if I'm starting to doubt myself or doubt my worth, I need to really look at myself, you know, because at the minute I feel like I'm in a good spot and I like I'm I'm moving forward and I'm positive. And if if self doubt starts creeping in, there's probably something underlying. I don't know what that might be, but like for me, obviously sometimes you do wonder if you can do it. It's just really real. Can I make it? Can I do this? And like, the, the, they're just regular questions to ask. You know, I wouldn't consider them anything worrying, but that's anything in life. Can I do it? Am I able to do it? But it's about flipping that into, yeah, I can. Let's let, let me believe it. Let me do it. Do you know what I mean? Let's work on this, right? What's the plan? This is the plan we put in place. Let's go after it. Do you know what I mean? And if I fail along the way because of things that I haven't done, that's on me. But if I fail along the way because of, what the world, a, bit, a big massive lightning ball strikes the world and there's no rugby balls left and no one ever knows what rugby is. Well, then what can I do? I've been on my process and I've been trying my best. But as long as I know that I've done everything in my capability every single day, then I can I could die tomorrow a happy man, knowing that I've tried my best for the last 20, 20 years of my life and the last two and a half years of my career, I've given my all. But that's the most important thing for me, that if I had a career-ended injury or anything happened that I could sit there and rest knowing that I tried my very best yeah I guess yeah. Like being content with you know how you played and I guess like self-doubt it's not really you know helping anyone you know especially yourself you know um but yeah I don't think it like helps anyone and it just you know as you said it ruins your game and it's not the best thing for anybody but like, did you feel like, you know, coming in, making your debuts and playing, you know, with like people that have already been playing for ages, you know, it's probably a question you've been asked a lot, but do you feel like, you know, you had to train so much harder, you know, you had to prove yourself or do you feel like, you know, getting in there was like enough to prove? No, I still feel like I have to prove myself every day and I'm still proving myself. And since the moment I landed, got off the plane and in Huddersfield, I had to prove myself. I was starting, I was starting behind people. These blokes around here have been playing rugby league their whole life, and now I've just I've just come off the plane and I'm just trying to play catch up. Do you know what I mean? I've been proving myself since day one. I still am now, and that's the way it has to be. You have to prove yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I suppose the minute you start getting comfortable and start believing that oh, I'll play week in week out, and I'm sure that's going to be your downfall, and you'll snap at your fingers, you've downfalls like that. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose the greatest thing for me is the fact that I have to compete every day and I have to try and prove myself and that's just been even more and more inspiring is that a lot of people don't believe it will happen and haven't believed it would happen for me and like I'll just take that and add it as fuel to the fire I don't let myself get down about that I just see it as like oh how good is this you know I mean I'm a bloke in a position that no one else has ever been in before and I get to I suppose carve a path that no one else has ever walked and I just get to prove what I have and what what I'm willing to do, and that for me is greater than anything else. Yeah, um, and you know, as I said, I was doing a little bit of googling about you, you know, to you know see what you're all about and everything. And I saw the Irish Examiner. Um, I don't know if you saw the the piece they brought out on you, and and I saw you know it was like from window washer to rugby prodigy. And you know, do you feel like that? You know, the word prodigy is like overwhelming in a sense like it's you know you even have more to prove uh, to me it's just a word honestly mate I just think that to me I just think that um, I'm just on this journey to prove something to myself and like to, 
to give back to the people who believed in me when no one else did. And then like anything else is a bonus. Like all all these words that you throw about. Like to me, I'm not I'm not a prodigy. I'm just a I'm just a bloke trying my best out here. And like I've only played one game, so to call me a prodigy is just mad to me. Like I, it's a compliment and literally it's such a compliment. But to me, a, a prodigy is maybe someone who's like I don't know, like Tony Bill Williams or someone like that who's done it all. Do you know what I mean? Some superstar to me. I'm just, I'm just round Michael out here, trying to be, trying to be the best version of me. You know, so like, yeah, I, I don't get overwhelmed by stuff like that. I just take it in my stride. Really, I wouldn't like say feel like any pressure from names, awards being thrown about, or any articles or anything like that. I just think that, yeah, as long as I'm just out here trying my best, and like, let's say all, all, all those newspapers and that could say prodigy, all this. But if I have a career end, end an injury tomorrow. None of them are going to be writing up about Ronald Michael, the bloke who had a career and an injury and stopped playing rugby. But I have to sleep every night knowing, like, did I do my best? Did I do everything right? And to me, that's the most important. So um, I suppose just, just given given this given this chance that I have that I'm so grateful and blessed to have, given that my all, and then like it's all it's all well and good to see a face in the paper, but like it's I'm still I'm still a nobody, and like I still haven't made it in this game. I've only played one game. Do you know what I mean? I I haven't done anything really, and there's, there'll be there'll be hundreds of people that follow my steps, and hundreds of people have done it before. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose the biggest thing for me is just trying to trying to keep keep improving myself and get more and more chances to play more and more games and be the best player I can be. Which would though that we uh, don't get any you know career-ending injuries. You know we we don't want that now. But, oh, bigger um, player, Jason. No, thank you. Touch wood, like do you know what I mean. Touch yeah. me head at the moment. But you're, I, I guess, from your perspective, you're the, you're just the, the humble guy, um, you know, who's putting in the graft, and I, I won't disagree with you, but you know, you do seem like a solid player, and I think, you know, there's, I think, you know, you've already proved, like not everything, but I think you've proved that, you know, you've gotten into the big boys league, you know, so I think that there's something there, but you know, you know, in like football, you get like a rugby cap. Is there the same thing in a, or sorry, in football, is there the same thing in rugby? Uh, yeah, well, uh, at international level, you get a cap, yeah. So I have, uh, I have my debut cap framed up in the house, anyway. So uh, the mother got mother got that one framed for me, and yeah, that was pretty pretty cool to see and like have have a physical cap given to you on your debut, and that that was pretty cool as well. But yeah, um, have have my debut cap. I don't think it's anything for your um, Super League debut. I don't think they do caps or anything. I think it's just international level. I'd say uh, your whole family is very proud of you, and you know, Kansas are Would you be in your the mommy's boy? I say she's extra proud. And would you say she's your <laughs> bigger? Would you would you say she's your biggest supporter? Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Well, she's done a lot for me. To be fair, like, and I have to give it to her that. Like, she is a uh, she has done a lot for me and all of that. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be there if she wasn't willing to drive me to all those training sessions and all around all around the country and um. Just help help me out help me out throughout it all really so like yeah she she's full credit where credit's due like she's the reason that I'm in this position today and she get she told me to go chase my dream and not she didn't restrict me in any way and say when I finished school go get a nine to five job do you know what I mean like she was just sound about it all and said go after what you want to go after and make it work do you know what I mean and that that to me was like the best advice you know. She just put that. She put that faith in me, and that's what I needed. Like when there wasn't a lot of faith around, you know. So yeah, I will have to her to be fair. 
Shout out to Ronan's mom, you know, for all that hard work she put in all the time. Um, would you say you were good in school or did you enjoyed school? Um, yeah, no, I loved school, to be fair. Like, I, I was head boy of Ad Gillen and um, I did all right. I did all right for the effort I put in. And, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I was dumb or anything. Like, I did well. I did well. got 457 points in my leaving. I'm not afraid to say that. Like, on, play. on this or anything. Like, it's not It's not outstanding. It's no, it's no medicine or anything. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's above average probably. And, like, it was pretty good for me. And, like, I, I knew I was going to Huddersfield before I sat my leaving. So, I've, I was always committed to rugby. And, like, oftentimes people be saying, what do you mean you're going to the gym? I leave in search in two months, like, and you're off to the gym and you're off training and you're doing this and that. Like, and it's it's not it's not even, like, it's not that the fact that I have my leaving. So, like, I still put in the graph. But, like, I suppose I, I made sacrifices too. And, like, around the time of... So, like, there was a lot of things I did sacrifice. I didn't have, I wouldn't say I had a mad social life, didn't go out too much, wasn't on social media that much or anything like that. I just, I just went to the gym, did my, did my training, did my, did my homework, repeated it, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was really, I was a prime mentality. And although I wouldn't say I, I, I put, I put work in where work was, work was needed. I ended up with a decent enough result. Like, I, I'm not limited in the fact that if something did happen in my rugby career, I could get into most courses and most colleges or whatever. If that if that was the case, so I'm pretty happy with that. And I quite enjoyed school as well. It was something fun to do. And like you're with all your school, so you do need to have a look because when you come out of it, there's a lot of worse things in this world than going to school every day. Like you're literally with your best best mates every day. So yeah. Loved it really. We had some cracking, we had a dig in it, and that like it was, it was a bit mad to be fair. But yeah, no, I change it for the world. Some of the days, me and the boys talking, like we're we're all in our twenties now, and we're thinking, Jays, where did where did the where did the years go? Wish we could go back to school. Do you know what I mean? I have to say, fair play to you, though. You know, you're a phenomenal rugby player. You know, you got good grades, and you're leaving, sir. Your head boy, you know, um, and you're saying, you know, I, um, the one of the last things. You're saying that you know people were like saying, "Oh, you're leaving certs in two months and all this." And, and to be honest with you, I feel like um, you know if you want to go for them for advice, like why would you listen to what they're saying? And you know it's not their graph they're putting in. You know it's easy for them to say why are you doing this and that. But like when you know you love something so much, you, you put so much work into it, and you want it to succeed. You know. Absolutely, no, absolutely, yeah. And I feel like um, there's always going to be people who are questioning what you're doing, and like because that's not that's not the norm. You know what I mean? Like the, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's the norm to go into all your mates in the library and you, with your gym bag and they go they go are you here to study today for once round and now you just go off to the gym but like at the at the same time like you know you just have to trust that you're you're doing the right thing for you and like I suppose I'm, I'm glad that I had that bit of bit of something to fall back on and all right leaving to fall back on but at the end of the day that I knew I knew rugby was my passion and like. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say I put all my eggs in one basket, playing simply because I only found out I was going to come over to Huddersfield for a trial about uh, a month before I sat the leaving sir, and I didn't even know how that trial was going to go. But at the same time, I wasn't giving up on my dream. And although there were plenty of days where the dream seemed like the candle had gone out and the days were dim, I always had a little bit of something that just kept me going and kept me working, and in the end, it all paid off. So I think... Um... You know, it's a very interesting story. And as you said at the beginning, you know, a um, bit of symmetry there. Um, you said, we'll, we'll see if people see if I'm interesting. And I think from just talking to you, you seem like an interesting bloke. And I think 
I'm pretty sure people agree with you. So I think towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to I, I, I don't flatter yourself in, I don't start blushing around, but uh um I'll end with some quick fire questions if that's okay with you. <laughs> All right, here we go. This should be interesting now. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. I'm right, you know, quick fire, let's go. I'll try to be quick, like do you know what I mean? Yeah, best player you've played with. Oh Jason, come on, you, you you've already got it got at me here. Um uh oh wow uh Aiden Caesar, there you go. Best player I've played with. Favourite player? Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, most underrated player? Um, Ollie Russell. Your idol? Sonny Bill Williams. If you didn't play rugby, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, probably in college, <laughs> drinking a few beers. Um, and what's the, the team that you hate playing against the most? Uh, I'll say Wigan because I've only played against Wigan. Okay, so thank you very much, guys. Um, it's obviously not like a talk show or anything where you give a round of applause or anything like that, but you know, absolute honest, pure, amazing, talented player, you know, Ronan Michael. It's a pleasure for having you on the podcast, and thank you so much for coming on and you know, being part of this. Uh, I don't want to sound cringe or anything, but like journey and, you know, you're, you're the first podcast guest. So yeah, maybe that's something to hang up on the wall, you know, maybe oh, yeah, no, down, you remember me. Cheers for having me. I must say, like, listen, it's, it's something, something I'd always love to get behind. I love to see young people trying new things and stuff like that. And I hope, hope the podcast goes well. And hopefully some people want to listen to what I have to say, like uh, fingers crossed. Anyways, okay. If you listen, nah, thank you for having me on. Yeah. It's, an, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much guys. Ron and Michael. All right.